Hello, everybody. I'm Dwayne Mancini, and welcome to another episode of the Project MedTech Podcast. If you need anything from us or would like to suggest a future guest, you can email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And you can always visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com, or follow us on LinkedIn. If you're enjoying this content, don't forget to check out our other podcast by searching MedTech Money on your favorite podcast platform or by heading to our website. MedTech Money is an interview-style podcast focused on demystifying raising and investing capital for MedTech startups. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Galen Data. Galen Data is the cloud for medical device makers. The Galen Cloud provides a configurable platform for device-to-cloud connectivity that is compliant to FDA, HIPAA, and CE mark standards. Built on 40 plus years of collective experience developing compliance systems in the medical device industry, the company's goal is to make medical device cloud connectivity available to all at a fraction of the cost while shaving months off the development timeline. In this episode, our guest, Greg Tours from Ram Technologies and I discussed IEC 60601, power supply for medical devices, it being a harmonized standard and what that means and how regulatory bodies interpret it, normal use versus intended use, shelf life of various components, manufacturing tips, other related standards, and so much more. So without further ado, my discussion with Greg Tours. Medical innovation starts with medical discussion. Talking about the future Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm glad to join you. Yeah. So, Greg, uh, let's give the um, listeners just a, a brief intro into who you are and uh, what you do. Yeah. So, I'm the president of Ram Technologies. We make PC power supplies for medical devices that are all 6061 certified, um, and we help people get to market faster with that. Awesome. And so, your 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 I mean, like your background of, of your education, I mean, how did you, how did you get into this? Uh, and, and what led you to medical devices? Uh, it's been an interesting journey. I've kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything. Um, but I, I kind of stumbled upon this opportunity to uh, do it. Uh, uh, recently back in September of last year is when I took over the company. Um, and the owner was looking to retire. And I stepped into his shoes to do it. I've, I've actually haven't been in medical devices in almost eight years. Um, so it's been a while since I've actually been in medical devices. Oh, that's cool. So you, you were in devices, yeah. transitioned out, and then got back, got in. back into it. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, okay. I, was, uh, um, I was building phantoms for linear accelerators and MRI machines and testing those and CT scanners and stuff like that. Uh, but then I got out of that for a while um, and was doing... You know, manufacturing engineering for different companies, eventually operations managers for aerospace. So, okay, very yeah. cool. Um, and so, uh, Ram Technologies, right? Um, what is this like? How big is the company? Where are you located? Um, how do you engage with clients? Just maybe give the listeners a little bit of background on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So we're located in Guilford, Connecticut. We're we're a small company, and we can quickly. Uh, pivot to help our customers with what's going on. Uh, a lot of our client engagement um, is, you know, helping them select what power supply they need and what needs they have to power their device. Um, so we can help customize to what they need to do to get it based off our standard off-the-shelf power supply. So we can help power whatever 
preferables you have within the device. And we can help you with that um, to ensure that everything is all set to get it. And we're already certified. We make sure we meet EMC standards, which I know is usually difficult to, to tackle, especially when you're going to regulatory. Um, yeah, super helpful. So, uh, you know, I, I think that a, a lot of what we wanted to talk about today was like the different standards or, or the, the, the different requirements around um, medical, you know, for me, and specific to the med tech space, but also like the electronics and power that goes, goes into this. Um, you know, a lot of people are familiar with ISO 10993 part one for biocompatibility mm -hmm. and things like that. But, but if your device has power, which more of them are, um, the standard is IEC 60601. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. They all have to meet that. Yeah. Yep. So can you talk to me about this standard a little bit? What's in it? What kind of requirements on there? Mm -hmm. Is it difficult to meet? Um, is this kind of a global standard? Uh, so that's, that's, that's <laughs> a good first thing to start with. So the good thing is, is 6061, is a, called a harmonized standard. Luckily, it's been harmonized. And when it says harmonized, it means it's been globally certified, basically. The, the, all okay. the different regulatory bottle, bodies have gone and talked together and figured out over time, okay, what do we want to do to make sure that everybody's on the same page and everything else? It takes quite a bit of time. I mean, the current iteration that we're at, revision three, is actually was released back in 2005. Um, but they've had two updates since then. We're currently, we, they just finished release of 3.2, um, which just got accepted in the US uh, two months ago, actually. Um, and any new devices coming out after, you know, I believe it's July of next year, but it could be a little bit past that. I haven't heard the deadline yet. Um, we'll need to be conforming to 3.2. Um, so that's one thing to know is, you know, when you're doing your submissions to make sure you're hitting to whatever regulatory requirement is up right now. Yeah. Oh, well, that's super nice that it's, it's, globally harmonized. I know like with, with, um, biocompatibility, there's a standard that is looked to, but every country has like nuances on biocompatibility. Um, yeah, I will say that different, the different regulatory bodies do approach it a little bit differently. Um, you know, between the EU okay. and the FDA and how much they want and what they're looking for. Like sometimes the FDA will really hit people with it. Like, um, with, with, with soft, even with your software as a medical device, you still require to think about your 6061 on there because it's running on a computer and you still have to pass it. And sometimes they want you to reshow your 6061, even if you made a software update, you didn't change any of the hardware. But sometimes the EU is mm -hmm. a little bit better about that, but other times it's the other way around. So it can be kind of a little, little funky on how they do it. Okay. And, and can you tell me about like in, in the ISO standard in, in, in 10993, I'm gonna keep coming back to this because that's what I spent so much time in was biocompatibility. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to relate it. Um, are there a bunch of different parts of 60601 yeah. or? Is yeah, yeah. Okay. so there's, there's different sections and then they also cover different uh, classes. Like there's a special subclass just for home use medical devices, for example. All right, and there's okay. a special subclass um, that's supposed to differentiate all the EMC requirements, everything else like that. It's actually a very long standard that takes a lot. Um, you usually want somebody to help you out with your full medical device to ensure you're meeting all the standards. That's useful okay. and everything else. Yeah. Um, and are there common areas where people get tripped up uh, that, you know, you're working with so many clients, right? Yeah. So I'm sure you have some stories, but are there ones that are like, 
yeah, a lot of people fail here or get tripped up here or, or, or forget about this section. So, so one of the biggest things, and, and it's one of those tricky things to understand, is the difference between normal use and intended use that they define in there. Okay. Okay. So the intended use is actually the intended use of the medical device. It's what you're trying to do with the device to treat whatever thing you're trying to treat. Um, for example, um, you're trying to do an endoscopy of a patient to check for something. Okay, that's what it's meant to do. That's what it's used to do. But there's also the normal use. This is the normal everyday things that happen with it. You got to think as a maintenance of the, the device. What hazards does it have? Things like that. So you got you got to remember you're not just thinking of what it's being used for in the in the medical you know in the in surgery or how it's being on a patient, but also what goes around it as well. So the FDA and everybody else looks at that to ensure all those items are taken care of to ensure because sometimes you got to remember we got to worry about maintenance, what happens when something breaks down, what do you do for it? Okay, so you got to you got to consider all those items with it too, not just how it's being used. Okay. And, yeah, that's a good. And one. then the second thing is. Um, we got two of my favorite terms, mop and moop. Okay. Okay. All right. So, you know, are you a moop or a mop? So what okay. it what it stands for are means of protection and one's a means of patient protection and one's a means of operator protection. Okay. So they require you to have two means of moop, means of patient protection. Okay. okay. So um, what that means is that in case one of the protections fails, the, the patient doesn't get hurt just in case. So basically, um, you have two two failure backup failure modes for everything. Basically, um, while you know they also have operator protection to ensure when the operator is using it, they don't get hurt. The real concern, the reason they have two two moops, is for the fact that the patient could be unconscious. They can't move away from something if it's electrical discharge. Like for example, if you're at home and you fell down and you accidentally hit a wire or something or outlet, you probably get up real quick and move away from it. But in a in a hospital setting or setting where medical devices, there's more higher chance that a patient could be unconscious and can't get away from the medical device if they're being hurt by it or something else like that. Okay. Well, at least with an yeah. operator, they're, you know, up and using it and everything else. There is some protection, but it's not as great as they're really concerned about patient care in that case. Okay. So for patients, there's, there's two safety. Yeah. Minimum. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And basically it's like, um, for example, if, uh, if a patient could get shocked by X happening, Okay, if this one thing fails, then you're supposed to have a second failure set up to ensure it doesn't happen. Okay. So, and then sometimes there's hard things that they built into it. Like one thing is like insulation they normally want around the case, stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. and, it, and it varies more once you go up to if you're how much you're touching a patient, if you're in a patient, stuff like that as well. Okay. The yeah. The voltage isolation you need and things like that. Ah, okay. So that's good to know. So it's very similar to like, in, in, in biocompatibility, you know, the more invasive the product is, the longer it's there, the more requirements there are. It's the same goes for the power supply. Yeah, yeah. They have um, they have two two different things. It's not just the power supply, but the whole device in general and how it all okay. interacts. Um, okay, because there's, uh, I always I always forget, this. I believe it's BF and CF. And BF is when it's in the body, and that's body frequency and contact frequency, I believe are the two right terms. Um, okay. and they, they're, and they're meant to say, okay, are you in the body and how much isolation voltage do you need to have to ensure you're isolated completely versus how much you're on the touching the body and how much isolation do you need to have to ensure okay. that. Okay. Very good. So, um, like just 
taking an example uh, like a uh, a pacemaker, mm-hmm. right? That has that's battery powered, but it's it's in the body for years and years and years and years. I mean, that's kind of like the worst case scenario or, or highest need for for testing or are there others well that... you know that's the whole thing is that's actually a, a contained device it's a closed loop device you don't mm-hmm. have external inputs coming into it right ah, but right. when you're doing an endoscopy of some kind right and you're putting something yep. in a patient okay and you're powering through like a camera or something like that okay right. you're looking at an ultrasound and you're you know you know looking at that you have to you have to consider okay what are we putting into a patient okay and we're usually doing external power to that too so you got to make sure the incoming power coming from the wall is conditioned enough. You're not having worrying about spikes coming from that to ensure yeah. that nothing is happening that comes to the patient. Well, versus a pacemaker, you have a battery in there that's putting out however many voltages it has, and it's kind of closed. Yeah, it's in there longer, but it's kind of, you know, you can lifetime test, and you don't have to worry about it. Well, externally, you have to worry about external factors that could come into play in that case. Got it. I, okay, I mean, that makes sense. I, I will say, I, and I don't, I actually don't want to know much for pacemaker, but I do know you got to think about, okay, you, you've got to think about what external factors could come into the pacemaker, but that is not normally as severe, like a shock from a defibrillator or something like that. But Right. Okay. Very good. Um, and so, you know, I, we, we're talking about 60601 or 60, yeah, 60601. Um, and the only reason I say that more and more out loud is just because you know the 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 shortening of it is is good for us in the industry who know it but yeah. for those who might and don't understand it it's it's we gotta we gotta kind of talk about it um when you're designing because you're doing a lot of design right you're you're helping companies with their the the the, the power supply correct right. i mean that's that's your bread and butter yeah. so um outside of six zero six zero one you know, what are some of those things that that as someone is developing a product, trying to get to an MVP or trying to get to a manufacturable product that they can take and go to market? You know, what are some of those things that if I come to you and I'm like, hey, Greg, I think I have a product, um, you know, I, I need to make this manufacturable now. What are some of like the first things you're like, OK, well, let's let's tackle this, this and this. And what kind of that what does that look like? You know, so I'll say this. One of the biggest things that I find um, is people just pull an off the device component off. I'm sorry, off the shelf component for their medical device when they're using PC stuff and they don't look at how long the stuff is going to be on the market for. So if you look at a commercial motherboard mm. that's on the market, it's on the market for 12, 18 months. I'm sure you want your product to sell for at least eight years. Okay. You don't want to go back to the FDA for another five, 10 K because the motherboard is critical component. Okay. Okay. So you need to go and have one. That's a long life motherboard. That's going to be around for a while. Okay. Okay. So, so, so that, that's one of those things. Um, you know, Intel does offer long life chips. So you don't have to worry about that changing stuff like that. But those are some of the things that you need to consider when you're looking at it to ensure that you're not getting stuck. I currently have one client that's going back and redesigning their whole product because they can't get a supply of their motherboards anymore. Ah, uh, so so um, how what's what's the workaround for that? You just build a custom motherboard. Uh, in, that, in this case, they're going. They're talking to one of the motherboard manufacturers. They're 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 kind of customizing a little bit because the manufacturer is guaranteeing them run and guaranteeing they'll keep building it for them and everything else. I believe they're having to negotiate a minimum buy per year. Um, mm-hmm. I know other customers have gone and bought thousands of motherboards or thousands of whatever it is and they're just holding it in a warehouse just to ensure they have it. 
Yeah. So, right, so you know, there's right. pluses and minuses of both things. You know, one's a high cash, and one you know, one of my bigger customers, that's what they do. It's a high cash outlay, but then they're good. They're not designed for the mm-hmm. custom. Um, you know, the other one's more of a startup company, but they're they're working through it. Um, they've had good demand in the market, so they're trying to figure out, okay, how do we make this a long-term viable solution in this case? Right. Okay. What are some of the other areas? Um, you know, some of it's also try try. It is actually try to use off-the-shelf components as much as you can. You know, you use that to make it so you don't have to customize. You know, once you start customizing, costs rises, right? Use right. use see if you can use an off-the-shelf case or something like that with a manufacturer, so you're not building something right. custom. You know, just be careful on the shelf life. You're saying, yeah, or yeah. The, well, the... And, and that's the thing is, you know, with a lot of as I said, you know, when you go to buy it, when you start specking it out, talk to the manufacturer, you know, ask them, how long do you plan on supporting it? What is your end of life plan for this? You know, just so you know what the question is. I mean, um, and, and I would say, don't, don't do that up front, get a viable prototype done. And once you're looking to go to DF, you know, so when you start doing your design for manufacturing, that's really when you should start really narrowing down your components and everything else like that. Um, mm-hmm. But get, get the prototype of them working. Don't worry about that up front. Because that'll that'll just put you in a in a spin a spin until you nail down what your actual components are and everything else like that. Right. Um, um, are you engaging companies during the design phase or or mostly like when they're getting ready for manufacturing? Normally, they're coming to us during the design phase because they want they okay. want to. Well, power supply is one of the most critical components. Okay, because it's we're providing all your input power. We're conditioning it. We're ensuring it's what you need for your device. Um, so they're normally getting us in the beginning of their design or, or maybe after they've done the prototype, now they're starting to look at, okay, how do we certify it for 6061? Um, and they'll come to us and they say, okay, we need a power supply that meets this because your off-the-shelf power supply from Best Buy, Newegg, isn't going to, isn't going to be able to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the importance of, cause we've, we've had this happen with a few clients, but you, you know, there that's a little before we're getting involved um so i don't know too much about it but can you talk about like how important it is to consult and think about when you're designing a product to actually make sure it's manufacturable um because this happens a lot so i'm curious on your take from this well as i said before i've been a manufacturing engineer as well so yeah i've had things thrown over the wall from the designers and i went what were you thinking Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so I, I've gone to try to make some of these things happen. So it's been, it's been very interesting. So I would really say it's after you get proof of concept done is really when you start really doing it. I mean, I mean, it's always good in the very beginning to at least consider a little bit, but you know, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes I'll be honest, but you know, some of the easy things to think about, can you make all the screws the same? You know, do you want to have a different screw for every single thing? So somebody's got to keep changing the screw bits and everything else and having an inventory of 50 different screws when you can have maybe three types, you know, you know, something like that makes things so much more manufacturable than anything else. Um, and then parts of it's also, you know, think about what your estimated annual usage is going to be. How many are you going to be building a year? All right. So that's always important to consider for something. All right. If you're, if you're building 10 million or whatever, okay, you definitely want to think about something like injection molding instead of a machine part, you know, but if you're only building, you know, you know, a hundred a year, maybe you want to consider, you know, medical fabrication instead of looking at plastic. All right. Or maybe it's even, I'll be honest, I'm not, I haven't been up on 3d printing as much, but you know, if you're looking at a hundred or less, maybe it's worthwhile to 3d print stuff um, for your production runs. So it's all about looking at also how much you're building and how many you're making with your annual usage and what you expect your customers to buy 
um, for something. Okay. Um, are there any other standards that are out there that, you know, some of the companies you're working with have to comply to besides the 60601? Um, or, you know, like that, that was always a thing for us was in, in, in biocompatibility is there are some standards that, you know, it is mentioned or there's other things that have to happen because of a specific device. Is that the same thing? Yeah. So, so one of them that we, we always consider is NFP a 99, which is a U.S. fire code one actually. Oh, the medical, okay. the medical devices actually have to meet because remember if you're in an operating room, if you're in a hospital, there's usually oxygen around. Right. You got to think about what your sparking requirements are and how much you're ensuring you're not sparking anything. Um, they also have a requirement around, you know, it's just like a six feet area around the patient that you're supposed to keep any sparks away or anything else like that to ensure we don't have flammability. So it's it's one of those little things that you got to consider as well um, with some mm -hmm. of this stuff. Okay. Are there other ones, or is that that's that's the major one that we that we kind of yeah. deal with and we think about um, with yeah. that? Okay. Very good. Um, and then. Uh, I know you said you're a, you're a small team. How, how big is Ram technologies? So we're, we're currently eight people. Okay. okay. So, um, you know, and then I have, I, I'll be honest, we, we have contract designers that I work with on a regular yep. basis. Um, I, sure. I have a mechanical engineer I deal with on a regular basis. I have, uh, somebody that does all our board layouts I deal with on a regular basis. So, you yeah. know, but, Very cool. but yeah, we have several, you know, people doing it. We're building our power supplies in the USA. So it's manufactured in the USA, so we can do quick yeah. responses to when people need changes, uh, especially yeah. when you want custom cables. We only want to ride you the cables that you need to put in your device. We don't want extra cables floating around, stuff like that, the length you need. And then we can also provide cables that are custom to whatever you need to power as well. For example, if you need to have a 3.5 millimeter jack to power a router with the whole thing, then we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and there's something to be said too for for having the small company and the ability to, you know, reach out and 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 get service right away for specific issues, right? Um, how much? How much? You know, I know there's probably not like an answer, but but I guess just maybe expand on it a little bit because I'm curious. You know, how much is power supply changing once? Your your through your first iteration, it's it's let's say it's you know cleared or approved by the FDA. Is it changing frequently? Like I'm always curious on how much. I know designs change. Mm -hmm. um, I know materials change. That was a big thing for biocompatibility. How much is is the power supply and things involved with that changing once a product is on the market? Uh, it's pretty much similar. We're still providing the first power supply we built. 26 years ago. Oh, wow. So we okay. have, we had a 230 watt power supply that we provided to our first customer. Um, and we recently actually got seal number one back from our customer and we turned it on and it still worked. No uh, way. So yeah. Wow. Um, so we, we, we're still building it mostly as a repair. We still offer it for people that want to repair the medical devices, stuff like that. I do not suggest yeah. it for new units. Um, or anybody designing a new product because you know 230 watts is not a whole lot of power. Um, okay. You know we offer we offer our, our popular ones for new customers are 800 watts and 600 watt power supplies. Um, okay. You know that's good enough to power our high end or two graphics card and all the other items that go with the PC and your medical device. Um, okay. 
So, so yeah, we, you know, in, you know, we designed the, the 800 watt power supply and released it three years ago and the 600 five years ago. All right. Cool. And those, those okay. were an ATX form factor. And we actually have a little, little thing out. We're actually have a new 650 watt power supply coming out in a smaller SFX factor soon. Okay. So that's, we're just finishing up all our testing. We're just trying to finalize components, yeah. uh, get our data sheet together, and that'll be released uh, hopefully by the end of the third quarter. So, okay. And and you don't actually do the 60 or 60601 compliance for your customers. Your customers do that. You just help them with in terms of like managing manage that internally, or do you actually help them go through that? We actually get our power supply certified by UL. So it's actually oh, certified. Right. It's actually a certified power supply. It already meets all the requirements. So you know it's good and it'll work. So you can drop it in your system right. and it'll be ready to go. So oh, it, super nice. And we will we will talk to our customers um, if they are having issues, you know, with something. Is it okay? This is not meeting it. You know, you're going through it. But but a lot of it's a lot of the things that you have to do is like they have this one. They have this one really weird thing. It's uh, you got to make sure you can't put a finger into the unit, right? So they have this little fake finger thing that they have, and then they try to put it in every little port and everything else like this. So that's like one of those no things kidding. you got to know about where it can't be yeah. so much wider than a certain size to do things. And so we've made sure our power right. supply conforms to that, conforms to all the EMC requirements already and everything else. So, and we've gone to get it certified to ensure that you don't have to worry about getting this recertified or anything else like that. And it ensures that yeah. your uh, approval by your regulatory body you go to for 6061 is a little bit faster because they're not trying to test the power supply to ensure it's meeting all the requirements and everything else like that. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Awesome. Um, Greg, I, I don't know if I have any more questions uh, on 60601. Is there anything else I missed that we needed to talk about? I mean, I um, this is one of those episodes where um, I knew almost nothing other than the fact that you had to take care of this right yeah. um is there anything else i'm missing that's big that we need to touch on it, there's nothing big i mean there's lots of little things that's the whole thing. yeah and it all depends on what your product is doing and how it's interacting with the patient and that that's what matters and then also what setting it's being used in um, because there is different standards different sections of standards depending on how it's being used there's different subclasses stuff like that so, and yeah. then there's all the other things that go with it that have to be done on everything too. I so like the EMC standards, what is it transmitting? You know, what is the sparking requirement? Stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely, it's definitely got a lot of nuances, but I will say it's a lot of things you should be doing anyways, in my opinion, it's a lot of common mm -hmm. sense, you know, part of it. One thing they have in there is a, what is your risk management? But as part, you should be already putting that as part of your product anyways. Right. So, so some right. of it's things that they're, it's kind of doubling up a little bit on other things. So it's not mm -hmm. not a super thing, but it's just something you got to be aware of what their requirements are for the risk management that might be a little bit different from your five. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, this is helpful. I think, you know, it, it, it paints a picture of, hey, the, there's nuances to it. The different different countries have, you know, different um pieces that they may want to see and interpret it different ways right but it is harmonized which is and it's not it's not a big difference it's more it's not it's more of just every time you make a change that they might look at it a little differently as i said like one of the biggest and software as a medical device is a big one and how it goes with yep. that and, and how how the regulators look at those is always very interesting and how much they want to they want to look at each of the different device and what it's used on and you know is it on a tablet is it on a pc so it, that's a whole can of worms that I, I actually don't know that much about. I wish I knew more. 
so I can support my customers more, but it, it definitely makes things a little bit interesting. Um, versus you know, the hardware aspect where it's kind of more locked, you know, you don't make changes as quick with that versus software as a medical device. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, so what is the website for Ram Technologies? Yeah. Ramtechno.com. R-I-M-T-E-C-H-N-O.com. And, okay. we have, and we'll... we have regular blog posts there that we put up every week on what, what right. goes on a little bit about maybe 6061, what might be interesting on power supplies you want to know about. So you can look at that and see what's happening and get a little more information about some of these topics we talked about. That's perfect. Uh, I'll include a link to the website. I'll include, include a link to uh, your LinkedIn. Okay. Um, and, and so those will be in the show notes for anyone who's listening in. But, but if you don't, if you can't look at your phone right now, uh, Greg just went over the website. Um, and outside of that, Greg, hang on for a minute. We'll chat offline, but, but thanks so much for this. This is a, we've, this is, we've done 101 episodes. I just edited episode 101 and we'll probably have another five or six before this one releases. So this would be like episode 108. We have not covered, uh, uh, anything even close to this on the podcast yet. So uh, this is the only one so far. So I really appreciate this. Great. Yeah. Maybe yeah. if we want to look at more details as people want more, let, let us know. And we, if we want to dive into anything a little deeper, we can always do that. 100%. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at info at projectmedtech.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.